Hello, and welcome to Filled with His Love. You've likely all heard of Rafael Nadal, the tennis player from Spain who has been, he's been ranked number one in the world 209 weeks, and he's broken so many records you can't count them all in professional tennis. I was reading an article about him the other day, and I want to share some of his thoughts that I think can benefit us all. Yes, even we can benefit from a tennis player, and we may never have held a tennis racket in our hands. So he talks a lot about, quote, managing his inner voice, quote. I've called this internal chatter, the thoughts that are running around in our mind seemingly unbidden at times, sometimes negative thoughts, other times positive. But there is no question that we all have thoughts in our head all day, every day. And the goal, as the Lord says in the Doctrine and Covenants, is to let virtue garnish our thoughts unceasingly. Now, the word garnish is, it means a side dish. It's not the central feature. You garnish a plate of roasted vegetables or roast beef with parsley. The roasted vegetables are the main dish. The garnish is the parsley. It's on the side. When we're engaged in any activity, whether that is driving a car, combing our hair, raking leaves, the car, the hair, and the leaves are the main dish, and the thoughts rolling around in our head at the same time are the parsley. These background thoughts are the garnish. So the Lord is saying, watch those background thoughts, because those thoughts can lead you in all kinds of directions, some good and some bad. Then he's saying that if you can control those thoughts, those garnishing thoughts, you will be able to exercise your faith in powerful ways. Fear and anxiety will vanish, and your confidence will grow strong, as it says in the scriptures, in the presence of God. So, without knowing anything about the verse in the Doctrine and Covenants, here's what Raphael Nadal says about his strategy for winning a tennis match. What I battle hardest in the tennis match is to quiet the voices within to shut everything out but the contest itself, to concentrate every atom of my being on the point I am playing. If I make a mistake on the prior point, let it go. Should a thought of victory arise, crush it. That's, end quote. That's Rafael Nadal. So you'll notice, he did not say he wanted to focus every atom of his being on the game he was playing. No. He wants to focus only on the point that he is trying to win. That's focus. That's being fully present. That's thought control to the max. No garnishing thoughts. Only total attention to the single point that he's playing at that moment. Now, he goes on. During a match, you are in a permanent battle to fight back your everyday vulnerabilities. Bottle up your human feelings. The more bottled up they are, the greater your chances of winning, so long as you've trained as hard as you play and the gap in the talent is not too wide between you and your rival. The gap in talent with Federer existed, but it was not impossibly wide. It was narrow enough, even on his favorite surface in the tournament he played best, for me to know that if I silenced doubts and fears and exaggerated hope inside my head better than he did, I could beat him. 
you have to cage yourself in protective armor, turn yourself into a bloodless warrior. It's a kind of self-hypnosis, a game you play with deadly seriousness to disguise your own weakness from yourself as well as from your rival. End quote. So, he said, silence, doubt, and fears. This sounds very much like the DNC again. Doubt not, fear not. If you think about it, doubts and fears are nothing more than garnishment to the task before us. If our task, for example, is to take a physics test, the background thoughts we need to silence are thoughts like, I should have studied more. I'm so bad at taking tests. I always get behind and I can't make the time limit. And the more we let those thoughts take over even a tiny part of our brain, the more fear builds up, the more we doubt that we will pass the test. I really like the last sentence of the quote I just read from Nadal. Quote, It's a kind of self-hypnosis, a game you play with deadly seriousness, to disguise your own weakness from yourself as well as from your rival. How do we disguise our own weakness from ourselves? It's easy for me to imagine how a tennis player might look intentionally tough so that he can psych out his rival and look tougher than he really is. But how do we disguise our own weakness from ourselves? Raphael answers this for himself. He exaggerates hope, quote, This to me goes far beyond a tennis game. This is actually the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When negative thoughts creep onto the back burner of our brain, we need to repel those thoughts with thoughts of hope. And where does that hope come from? As it says in the Book of Mormon, quote, And what is it we shall hope for? We shall have hope through the atonement of Christ. He is our hope. He is the one who can quell those negative thoughts. He can fill us with his light and his love. And the outcome will be much more important than winning a tennis match. It will be winning the game of life. It will be conquering our fears and gaining victory over ourselves. Then, truly, will our confidence wax strong in the presence of God, and the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon our soul as the dews from heaven. I hope this is helpful to you. It's kind of a stretch to talk about a professional tennis player and compare that to gospel principles, but I think it applies very well here. And when we think about that tennis player having to focus, focus, focus on his very play that he's making right at that moment and not let anything interfere, it's powerful to me. I read further where it says he goes through little rituals to help him focus. When he sits down on a chair, he first puts the water bottle down on the right side, and then he picks up the towel. He has a ritual that he follows that he feels helps him control his thoughts. That made me think of what rituals do we have that help control our thoughts? Well, the temple comes to mind. It is a place of ceremony and ordinance and ritual. And when we go there and focus completely on what is happening in the temple, 
and its meaning for us and our eternal lives, then our thoughts come back to us, our control of our thoughts come back. And then, in the temple, we can focus on the Savior, His atoning sacrifice for us, and all that that means for our life, no matter what trial, what difficulty we are facing at the present. I hope this is helpful to you, and I hope you'll share it with somebody if you think it might be helpful to them. Thanks for listening. We'll see you. Bye-bye. I will always see,